0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Flip Connect. Renters, do you love them? Do you hate them? Is hate too strong of a word? Uh, There's some tenants I dislike. Let's talk about that today. On this episode, I'm gonna go over my recent experience with eviction. So, it was a couple months back. uh, Well, let's start two years ago. I set someone up in one of my properties that uh, was inherited to me. Initially, I had rented a room to a, uh, a, a guy and a girl that were working for one of my contractors and he needed a place to stay. He uh, said he was kind of down on his luck. He just started working, yada, yada. He can make a little bit of improvement to my property too. You can work something out and he'll also pay. Uh, he's good for it because I'm paying him every Friday. So I said, great. That's, that's that's a good thing. Since uh, my contractor was handling two of my properties at that time, it, it made sense. You know, He has skin in the game, he vouched for him. And so I let him in, it turned out to be a total disaster. This uh, property is a duplex we converted from a, a, a craftsman home built in 1910, 1915 timeframe and uh, we, we, we split it, we have separate meters, we're running water is common, and we were renting out the front and the back for different price points. Um, at that time years ago, several years ago, maybe four or five years ago, uh, we were renting the back out for I believe 5.75 and the front for 6.75. And it was decent combined rent, about comparable to what you can get for a property of that size, which is about 1,300, 1,400 square feet. It's in a downtown area. It's in an area that is uh, redeveloping. The, it used to be a tough neighborhood. It's it somewhat still is a tough neighborhood, as in crime rates and uh, poverty levels, but it's surrounded by historical, subdivisions and high-priced multi-million dollar properties near downtown so this thing has a lot of promise that's why i bought it i bought the property in 2013 14 i believe and uh, i purchased it for 23,000. did renovations to it i was in it for about 50 total and you know now it's worth probably 250 300,000 if I fully renovated it and put it back to a single-family home. But at any rate, back to the story, um, we, we had tenants in there, and we just never really had to worry about it. Everyone paid. It was fine. The tenants were there for multi-years, and the front tenant left. He moved to Houston, I think, and so we needed to uh, turn over the front. So at that time, I decided, since we had a lot of Airbnb properties at that time, I decided that it would be another Airbnb. So we set up the front, we went to Ikea, got a bunch of furniture, put it in, set it up nicely, good to go. Back unit was still occupied by a tenant that we've had for a while, and she was a good tenant. She paid, and there was no stories, no drama. It was uh, a nice experience with her. Although she didn't keep the place very clean, but. I digress the point is the guy I, I le- ended up letting the guy stay in one of the rooms up front one of the Airbnb rooms and I can give him a fixed rate and I'd have the other other room um, set up and scheduled for booking on um, Airbnb and also booking.com well what it turned out to be was a complete disaster the guy was on drugs I believe meth His wife was as well. Um, They brought a dog to the house, a puppy. They said it was their mental support dog, so I couldn't remove it. Uh, But I wasn't happy about them sneaking it in. They should have told me I would have charged a deposit and uh, moved forward. But at any rate, they ultimately left. The guy got sent to jail for yelling or getting violent with somebody across the street and that gave me an opportunity to you know clean up the room and move him out well I found out that he was actually uh, renting out the back space. he managed to get into the back unit and was renting it out to a guy so that guy is the person that I had to evict a couple couple weeks back and I'll go through this story so back to the original guys um, they stole multiple TVs, a refrigerator or no, not a refrigerator, multiple TVs and some other stuff and took it to a pawn shop and used that money, uh, to pay me. So I definitely wasn't pleased with that. Cause you know, the place is fully furnished up front and the idea was they were going to stay quiet, keep themselves and stay in that room and allow the common space to be clean at all times and even turn over the other rooms if they wanted to, uh, and I could, you know, pay them for for a turnover service. So I thought I had the, uh, you know, all the expectations set up. I was very um, firm about what I wanted them to do, and they're they're more than agreeable verbally, but their actions spoke otherwise. And they just they caused such um, loud noise that the the girl in the back. My longtime tenant left because she was scared. She was uncomfortable, and she just she just took off. So we no longer have a tenant in the back, and I think that's maybe when he got access in the back. But uh, once we got them out of there, filed a police report, recovered our stolen uh, merch, our stolen uh, property. Uh, they were gone. They swore to repay me. Uh, of course that never happened and I wouldn't expect it to. I don't trust anything they said and I don't think they have the financial wherewithal to cover their debts to me when they no longer live in the property. So, I didn't expect anything and I didn't get anything. I did get a tenant. The tenant in the back, it was uh, a man and his wife and the guy, you know, had neck tattoos and you, know, you can tell he lived a rough life before. He's about 52 uh, at the time and but he told me that he takes care of somebody um, and he's getting paid for for that care that he um, set up like a boarding house in a hotel hotel room and the hotel room is much more expensive than what I'm charging for rent. and so he moved over here because of the, the guy up front that I l- allowed to move in the construction worker. So he paid the construction worker $800, apparently, or allegedly, and that was to cover a deposit and the first month's rent. And so I didn't get that first month's rent back, and he didn't have any money to give, but I said, okay, I'll set you up in the front of the property. Uh, if you do well up there, you know, you can bring people in, set up a boarding home. I will give you my advice on business management and how to select tenants, so on and so forth, or uh, clients—I guess he was calling them—and patients. And then we, uh, then then we'll expand to the back. And if that works out, I will build um, in the back a whole separate building and add another four rooms. It would make sense for me. I'd be able to get maybe forty-five hundred, five thousand dollars in rent. Um, out of it as a uh, share opportunity for a revenue share opportunity and you know I thought I thought that may that might work so I really wanted to help him out and I wanted to help him get on his feet and and figure things out well his wife ended up going to jail for prostitution yeah so he was uh, she, <laughs> she was gone and he was he said he was struggling because he depended on her to help out as a team for the boarding house, which makes perfect sense. And again, mm, it didn't sit quite well with me at that that point, but I already had him in there, and he was paying rent for the most part. He was always a little bit short, and I kept tolerating it because I eventually wanted to get the revenue share. He was never able to successfully build up this boarding house. He had a couple people, um, a lot of people came and, and went, and he said he got, shortchanged from a lot of people so he was unable to pay money to me um, on a given month and then the next month he caught up and then the next month he was behind again just just kept happening over and over again and I got fed up with it so what I did is this coincidentally happened to be right about the time a couple months before COVID and the rent moratorium so at that point in time I could have just taken them to eviction, but I didn't. I said I'm gonna I'm gonna f- see if there's government funding or, or some way for you to get assistance to help stabilize this. Or perhaps I can introduce you to another uh, to another boarding home that may have overflow patients or patients that don't fit their criteria in terms of the ability to pay that would fit your criteria because you're willing to have to a room and, 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 you know, not have much overhead because you're managing it yourself. Well, that, that didn't really, you know, that didn't really pan out. The other part where the rent was behind and I'm thinking of eviction at this point, I, completed some paperwork to start the eviction process, gave him a three-day notice, did all, the, all the steps that you need to do um, to go through eviction and simultaneously signed up for this uh, program called, it's through San Antonio, it's called a, um Eviction Diversion Program. And apparently you can set, you usually go to court first and have the program offered to you and then there's a representative of the program you know at court i i was proactive i was looking for something and i found it and so by the time we did go to court i opted for the eviction diversion program and we already had the paperwork signed so it took about three months because he wasn't the best with providing information Uh, he didn't have a license he had a copy of an old license on on a xerox or you know a copier that that's all he had was a copy of an old license so we had to go through and figure everything out verify identity so on and so forth and eventually the program ended up paying back grant he was back $13,000 plus and they paid it in full so I was grateful for that he's caught up although he still owed me for um a washer, dryer, and a refrigerator, and a couple other things that I provided him from another one of my rentals that we decided to sell. Um, it was an Airbnb, and so we had uh, some nice equipment that I paid a lot of money for. Sold it to him for my cost and no interest, and he just make you know hundred dollar month payments. Um, it gives me a quick sell as well. Well, he failed to make those payments too, so they didn't they didn't pay for that part. But they did pay for all his rent, and at that point, I wasn't too concerned about the other amount. I figured that between the program catching him up, he'd have the ability to keep paying me. No, he did not. Um, He found another program for $3,000. It took him two months on that. At that time, the rent was due, and he owed more than $3,000. But we ended up paying him. Pardon me. I'm, I'm driving, and this is a phone call coming in. Um, he ended up getting. Get, we ended up receiving approximately eight hundred dollars. Well, no, he gave us eight hundred dollars, and then the program paid the three thousand. And so, my wife, out of kindness, she didn't need to do this. This should have been held for reserve. Um, reserve funds for the next month, but she ended up giving him $800 back, the same money that she gave, that he gave us, he gave her. And so he had his $800 back, he had his free rent again, and there's no other programs that will fund him. He's He spent over $15,000 um, of, of the government's money, nearly $16,000, and he, over the course of that one year, he hadn't made payments, but he had received payments from his boarding patients, clients, all the the while, and he wasn't paying us. So, you know, we got fed up again, and we decided to evict him fully and completely. So, I'll get into all of those details, I suppose, and perhaps have another rental um, rental horror story, which is the, the tenant that I'm dealing with right now so maybe I'll do that so okay let me just finish this story and then we'll do another part because I see I'm like 14 minutes into this okay so the guy that um, we ended up uh, filing for eviction and we went to court and won through default he did not show up and then he set an appeal and through the appeal you have to pay a bond which is two times rent I think. So he had to pay for the amount that he was behind. He had to pay, He had to put up a, a, a $10,800 bond, something. I think that's, that's about right. And so he applied for a pauper's bond, which re- does not require him to ma- make any payments, but does require him to do certain paperwork. Well, he didn't even do that paperwork. And he had no reason for the appeal. It was purely to stay in the property longer. It's a tactic that people do. And when we went to the Zoom meeting for our hearing ahead of court to decide, you know, which court we go to, what the date would be, um, and the, and the information, the docket number, and all that stuff, that's that's the time you go in to determine all that. So we had this hearing, and during the hearing, uh, he apparently was supposed to have an attorney with him, which was uh, through legal aid. The Attorney wasn't there. Um, he didn't provide any information and so the court threw it out they didn't hear it they threw it out so it's now up to him to uh, i guess i suppose reapply for the appeal and go through that process i'm I'm not exactly sure of the details of it but he's going to have to reset and he has no leg to stand on whatsoever we have proper accounting we have full Uh, We have all the information. We have, you know, texts and there's, there's tremendous amounts of evidence on our side. And I can't imagine there's anything on his side. He may dispute the exact amount. I'm not sure. But anyway, that was a total nightmare. And what happened when we went to go for the eviction, we had the constable out there to serve the writ of possession. Which allows us to, you know, prevent him through cr- criminal trespass to ever come back onto the property. It takes him physically out of the property um, through law enforcement. Well, he wasn't there, and the property, uh, the room that he was in, had some furniture, but it had no clothing, it had no personal effects. So he took off. He abandoned the property, and the constables acknowledged that the property was abandoned. Also. Two of his tenants pop up out of nowhere. I didn't know who these people were, what their names are. Um, he had never given us this information in the past with any of his tenants, or nor had he proven that he had insurance to cover his his boarding home injuries or anything else. So it pretty much puts the liability squarely on me. Uh, so yeah, this was just a total nightmare. But um, I, we did not put all parties. On the eviction paperwork, we didn't say Ronnie. Oh, I can't say his name. We didn't say Ronnie X, and all parties present um, in the property. Which so it, so basically, we were allowed to evict him, but we couldn't evict his tenants. So they can stay, and he can. Ulti- they can ultimately open up the door for him and welcome him back in. And then all of a sudden, he's staying in the property again, and we have to for, uh, do another eviction. So that wasn't that wasn't a fun thought what i ended up doing is keeping both of his his tenants he had a total of five people there two paying tenants two rooms and uh there was one no four people two paying tenants the other two were one was the daughter of one guy and the, the other was a girlfriend of the other guy and uh, we moved into the back we relocated him at the back the back unit um because that's that's the one and and that's serviceable at the moment in the front we want to turn over and clean up and and do a little bit of renovation in there and make it look as nice as possible before we put it on the market for rent so that's kind of where the story ends at this point um will i hear from him again will he try to sue me in civil court for for uh, uh accounting errors, or I I don't know what angle he has, but from my estimation, there's nothing. Um, But this is the point. If you don't know what you're doing, I know what I'm doing. I I have done tons of evictions. I've done foreclosures. I've done a lot of paperwork Uh, myself. I've hired attorneys and I saw the way they do the paperwork with a certain format, template, and process you go through, and you can replicate it and represent yourself pro se. You do not have to have an attorney. So I ended up being my own attorney on multiple occasions. And even still, this one had me stumped. This is the first time there was an appeal of any kind of eviction. A long time ago, we had a um, foreclosure. We sold a house to somebody, seller fine. No, no, we rented a house to somebody and we're gonna sell it to them. They're trying to get their loan and they needed some more proof of income or a couple more months on the job before they qualify completely before the final approval. So we allowed them to move in. And at that time, the foundation we had we had fixed, but there was a crack in the water pipe, the pressurized water pipe coming into the house. Nobody checked that and it caused a leak and caused the foundation to drop right after we fixed it. It was it was it was horrible um but that also resulted in a little bit of water and settling in in the house in the back one back room and uh the bathroom there's no water in the back room but there the 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 bathroom was uh not able to be flushed or you know the pipe was broken anyway it was a mess and we uh but they they failed to pay you know we we hired a a a foundation company to do the work and they redid the work it cost us double the original amount and uh we, we they redid the work and that people still wouldn't pay anymore in rent. So we tried to evict them and they filed a restraining order against myself and my company to prevent me from handing them notices. So that was a pretty tricky thing, but that was an attorney that did that. Um, This one, he did it on his own, although he went to go get legal aid, but this one, um, he, he, he did the appeal. He's supposed to respond with an answer to the appeal in x amount of days i think it was five days he did not provide an answer period and he still got to if he was still in that property if he didn't abandon if he didn't leave the property um and uh and the appeal was was underway and i couldn't get um a writ of possession then he'd still be in the house to this day and you can drag that stuff out for months. You can you can move to extend and reset the court dates. There's all kinds of tactics they can employ to stay in your house, and you know you can go out of business that way. So that was that was a that was my story. That's my story on this one property. Uh, not very fun. Kind of stressing me out talking about it. But at any rate. I see we're about 22 minutes in. I'm going to end the podcast. I hope this story is a cautionary tale and it helps you out in some way. If you have any questions about uh, additional details or comments or you want to um, talk about your story online, we'd love to hear it. This is Corey Harrington for Flip Connect. Look forward to speaking to you soon.